word is going to be brought by our brother Thomas uh, this morning. As some of you may know, I, I was the youth pastor here, and, and now I'm the, the senior pastor, and we have a new youth director. This is the man who ministers to the young people on Friday nights. I sat in on a, a message that he preached, and I said, listen, the, the whole congregation needs to hear this word. Um, and the way that God would even have it in his providence, I had started a series on the book of Philippians that we've been going through. And now we're up to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. And that's what's going to be brought today. One of the things I want to say before I bring them up, in the beginning of this year, we talked about this would be the year of abundance. We had prayed desperately for God to bring the right person who were going to move forward instructing the young people at our church. And God has abundantly blessed us. And you'll see that as you hear this message and recognize what God is doing at Light of the World Church. So let's welcome our brother Thomas Jones. We look forward to hearing your word this morning. God bless you, brother. I look like a little kid next to him. <laughs> All right. I know, I know um, we already sang and already praised God. Is there anybody saved in here? Three people. Could you give God some praise, please? Now, a lot of times when you do that, people think that you're trying to work things up. You're trying to work. No, that's not what it is. I'm going to tell you seriously. So I'm going I'm to start with a story. If you could bring the verse up on the screen, we'll stand for the reading of the word in one moment. But we're talking in one moment. We're talking about. I'm glad y'all are so eager. I'm glad y'all are so eager. Um, we're talking about what's on your mind. That's the title of this message. Now, you know, Pastor has been doing a series on be encouraged. Right. I think I, I wanted to start with a story about, you know, when I had like an anxiety attack. I don't want you to raise your hand. I was going to say, anybody have any anxiety? People be like, I'm not going to raise my hand for that in church. Right. But there was a time I was in church. I was in youth ministry. It was a worship service just like this. And at the end of it, I had like an anxiety attack in the middle of the church. Uh-huh. And then I had to go teach. So y'all probably know that didn't happen, right? I was in the middle of an anxiety attack. But earlier, earlier, and I wasn't going to share this story, but when I first got saved, I had a lot of struggles in my mind. Somebody's probably like, he still looks like he struggles <laughs> in his mind. My wife will be in the afternoon service. Hopefully she won't say amen, right? But I did, and, um, and he gloriously, marvelously delivered me. Now, I went, I got my psychology degree, and I worked in mental health for many years, but I'm telling you right now, there are things that no doctor can do. There are things that no counseling, there's some things that there's no pill for that. 
right? There's no pill. There's no, there's no service out there. There's nothing. And so when I say praise God, I'm not talking about because we're in church and this is what we do when we're here. I'm talking about has anybody been delivered from something in your life? No, I'm serious. Like you was in your room by yourself and you was like, if God doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. Like, if God doesn't pay this bill, it's not going to get paid. Like, if God doesn't touch my mind, I'm going to go into the, I mean, has anybody ever been delivered from something in here? I wasn't raised in a Christian home. My kids were raised in a Christian home. I don't know how I'm doing. They're getting older, so they're going to tell me. I'm going to get my grade. I'm going to get my report card. But I wasn't raised in a Christian home. The book of Philippians is a letter from prison. We're going to talk about that. I got those as a teenager. I got letters from prison from my dad. I know what that's like. And I know the contents of the average letter from prison. And it's not encouraging people. But Paul, when he writes this letter from Philippians, let's stand for the reading of God's word. When he, when he sends this letter, Paul actually is encouraging the people that are not in prison. We're reading Philippians 4, chapter 8, and chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Meditate on these things. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you. God, we humbly ask you to come this morning. Walk these aisles. You are real. We didn't come here to pretend to play church. We are the church. We are your people. And we are a needy people. God, touch us. Cleanse us. Heal us. Deliver us. Let this be the first day of the rest of somebody's life. God, we don't want to leave the same, and we don't say it as a cliche. We don't want to come and go on a Sunday morning. The youth sing a song, Sunday morning faith isn't going to do. Lord, hell isn't afraid of us coming to church on a Sunday morning. God, we want hell to shake. We want when we get out of bed tomorrow morning and our feet hit the floor for the devils to scramble. God, would you do something supernatural this morning in our lives? And when you do, We'll give you all the credit because nobody came here this morning to hear me. Nobody came here this morning to hear a man. God, we would see Jesus. We want to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you be seated? So I know that pastor gave us a little background already, but just to um, 
talk a little bit about the book of Philippians. This is a prison epistle. It's one of several, and we'll get into that in a minute. But what Pastor Reggie, Deacon Frankie have done over the last uh, month, month and a half, have been unpacking the text. And so I just want to talk a little bit about what that means, right? What it is that we do when we get up here and we start getting into all the different aspects of the word. Um, if you've ever been on a trip and you pack, you put things in this bag, and you get to your hotel and you unpack, you unpack. So you get your bag and you open it up and you start taking things out, right? Once you start taking things out, you start identifying things like this is my shirt, this is my pants, this is my shaving kit. Then you start to organize. Now, I, I don't do this when I go to, I don't put my stuff in them drawers and I don't hang them in the closet. But that's what you do when you unpack, right? You start to organize. You start to organize the thing. So when you unpack the text, what are you doing? The first thing is you open it up and remove the contents. I know some of y'all are like, this is very basic. Just follow me, right? You, in, in this, we're going to open it up and we're going to look at some words, some concepts, Cultural context, authorial intent. Sometimes we're reading the Bible and we're looking at it through our 2022 lens, right? Like we say this is a prison epistle. But when people went to prison back then, there was no prison sentence. They didn't go for 10 years or 5 years or 15 years. A lot of times when you went to prison back then, you were waiting to die. And if you got out, you was happy because you lived. And so when Paul is writing from prison, he's on house arrest, which sounds nice to us, right? Because we think it's like a bracelet and he's like maybe playing tennis. That's not house arrest back then. And he is still under this like threat of death. But even early in the book, he says, but I think I know how this is going to end. I'm going to get out and I'm going to see y'all. Be encouraged. What else do we do when we unpack? Like I said, we identify the content. So this is when we begin to look at the history like we just did. We look at where this was, the geography, the date, the culture, things that are going on. Look at the purpose. Who is he writing to? This was a church that he planted when he went to Macedonia, Philippi, and he went to prison there. And he was beaten, him and his friend Silas. And instead of getting angry, instead of saying, this church thing doesn't work for me. Anybody here? He started to worship. He knows what he's talking about when he says, be encouraged. He knows because he was there in Philippi, in the lowest prison, stripes on his back, worshiping God. And lastly, you begin to organize. So we begin to look at how the words, the concepts, the various things from the book of Philippians from all the way back in those days. Anybody ever say something silly like, I don't understand the Bible. The Bible doesn't apply to today. That's because you didn't unpack. And then once you unpack, you can say, okay, this is how this applies to me. This is how this is going to help me tomorrow at work. 
this is how this is going to help me with my family, with my wife, with my children, with, my, with the people that I don't like. I know in church, y'all don't, that never happened. Last week, Pastor Reggie talked about um, the text prior or previous. We call that context. That's part of unpacking the text. And above verse 8, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. So the story I was going to tell you, I prayed I was, I was in my house. I was having my daily devotion. I was praying. I felt good. But I had had an anxiety attack the night before in church. When I got up off my knees and I went downstairs, now, now, now the, nurse, the nursing ministry or the church ministry where, you know, first day, they had said, listen, you don't have the flu. There's nothing wrong with you. I think you had an anxiety attack. I said, me? I'm a man of faith. I don't have anxiety. Well, that morning, after I got up off my knees, I was going downstairs. I was getting in my car. I was going to work, and I started thinking about my bills. I started thinking about the problems I was having at work. You know, I lived in East Harlem. I started looking, and and all of a sudden, that, that feeling that I had had the day before began to come back. And then I said, it is an anxiety attack. But Paul says, be anxious for, but by prayer and supplication with this. So for years, I would look at that and I would say, okay, the answer to anxiety is prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, oh, God, I'm going to make my petitions known. I'm going to thank you in advance because God responds to faith and all of that stuff. And that happened. But when I got up off my knees, what did I start thinking about? And, and as I was preparing this for the young people, I began to see, oh, my God, all these years I never saw the connection. This is why we unpack the text because sometimes we'll take a verse and we'll just pull it out and then we'll, we'll just walk around with it. And then every time we, like, put it, listen, this verse, be anxious for nothing, precedes him saying, think on these things. Sometimes our problem is not that we didn't pray. It's not even that we don't have faith. It's what you're thinking about. What's on your mind? Which is the title of our message. What's on your mind? Sometimes we're sitting right here in church. Why are you laughing, Pastor Ray? We're sitting right here in church. And I know what some of y'all are thinking about. When I get home, ooh, that pineal. Did she put the adobo? Listen, here in America, the number one mental health issue, do you know what it is? Anxiety. Number one. Over 80% of the people with a mental health disorder are struggling with anxiety. And why is that? When I shared this statistic in youth, I was, I was corrected. That's all right. I, I can be corrected. They've done some studies, and it was found that the average person has about 12,000 thoughts a day. 
could be up around 60,000. That was the person called me. He said, no, it's 60,000. It's hard to go someplace and find 60,000 people. 60,000 thoughts going in your mind. And 80% of them are negative. 80%. And 93% are repetitive. It's the same thought over and over. And if 80, over 80% are negative, this, this, it's negative thoughts over and over. But you prayed. You went to church. You did your devo. Some people 15 minutes. They got the Bible app. Some people do it the Bible way. They pray for an hour. Let's look at the word. He says, whatsoever is true, think on these things. What's on your mind? The word true here, if you could give me that slide, is elites, elites. It means to not be unnoticed. To not be unnoticed. Basically what this means is something that is obvious. So when we think of true, we think of facts and figures. No, this is not what Paul is talking about. Paul is saying, think about the things that are obvious. Think about the things, think about God in his creation, general revelation, the ability to look at the stars, the trees, to look at things and to know God loves you. We just sang a song, he loves me so much. You can see it. But is that what I'm thinking about? We laugh at the people of Israel because he delivered them and then they complained. And I know nobody in this church ever does that. That's the other church. I passed that one on. Right? He said, think on these things. Think on those things that are true, that are obvious, that cannot go beyond notice. How many times has he delivered you? How many times has he delivered me? How many things are true in my life? But I don't think about those things. I imagine things that didn't happen, that may never happen. Let me keep going. Okay. Whatsoever things are noble. We don't even use the word noble anymore. Like if I was reading the Bible and I'm reading this, I'd be like, noble? Like are there knights around? Like am I supposed to? But really, some, some translations will say just. This is the word semnos in the Greek. Semnos. Sounds like seminary, right? Those two words have nothing to do with each other. Seminary is rooted in a Latin word, right? Semnos is Greek, and the word is reverend, venerable, holy, reverent. If you go on Netflix when you go home tonight, I don't recommend, I'm just saying, you might look under the description of some show and it will say irreverent irreverently funny you might buy Broadway tickets to a show and they'll say oh you should go to this show because it's irreverent 
Since when? Since when did I want to go to something that was billed, that was marketed as irreverent? And if I'm engaging in and watching and consuming this type of media, what's on my mind? What's on my mind? Things that are irreverent, things that offend the holy God. Think on those things that are right, decayos, decayos, things that are correct, things that are righteous, by implication, innocent. This is a judicial word that means you've, you've, you've weighed something, you've examined it, you've looked at it, almost like a judge, and it meets with God's approval. Am I thinking of those things? Watch this. I was at work years ago, and I began to think about my previous life. And I was thinking about a situation where I had not sinned, but I was tempted, and I began to walk around. I literally, as the day went on, I began to walk like this. Until I realized I wasn't that person anymore. Two people said amen. Y'all probably think I'm the same person. I said, I'm, I wasn't that person anymore. Okay, forget it. Some of you, some of you, your only problem is you keep thinking about the person that you were. But you're not that. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, but I didn't even do anything. I started really thinking this. I said, but I didn't really do anything. I'm at work. I didn't do anything. How did what I was thinking begin to affect my mood, my physical posture, my focus, thinking about the person I used to be, things I don't even do anymore? Once you give your life to Christ and he cleans you up and he puts you out there in your right mind, forget about the person that you used to be. Why are you looking back there? What's on your mind? What's on your mind? Some of y'all, y'all get a call from an old friend, or you'll be on Facebook and be like, oh, I remember Gerald. Stop. Forget Gerald. Move on with your life. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Somebody said, no, just stay with the list. Okay. Pure. Whatsoever thing is pure. So I know what y'all are thinking. Y'all are thinking pure, clean, without. No, this is the word holy. Hagnos. Free from ceremonial defilement. Sacred. This would be when I think about God's word. This would be when I was young in my faith and I used to take little index cards and I would write the verses on the index cards. And if I was at work and I was waiting for the elevator, I would pull them out and I would look at them. If I was waiting for the train, I would pull them out and I would look at them. I mean, I don't care where I was. If I wasn't doing anything for five minutes or more, I would be pulling these verses out and going over them over and over. I wanted that on my mind. What's on my mind? I didn't plan on saying this. This is not in my notes. But Pastor Reggie has looked at the worship and begun to move us in a direction as a pastor. I'm going to tell you something. This is what Paul is talking about. 
There are things in Christian music today that should not be on anybody's mind. It should not be on anybody's mind. And if we're not careful, we end up singing these songs, listening to these songs. Forget, forget things that are in the secular realm, right? Just even in the Christian realm. So when I habitually, continually consider, meditate, and put things in my mind, what is the effect? Everybody's heard the quotes. Everybody in this room knows that whatever is on your mind is eventually going to manifest through your behavior and your words. You can't just think about holy things for an hour once a week. This letter was not meant to condemn the Philippians. It was an encouragement. Because I had that anxiety attack. But if I had kept thinking about holiness when I left and I started thinking about Con Edison Sometimes we think, I think about holy things, but when I think about unholy things, I'm thinking about other people. You should stop that too. You should stop that too. Because just because you're thinking about the unholy things that other people do doesn't mean that it's good for you. Whatsoever is lovely, pleasing. The Greek word is two words, pros and phileis. Pros is a Greek preposition that means to, with, or towards. I love that word. The Bible says in uh, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that's that word pros. The word was toward God. With God. This means phileis is a derivative of the word phileo. We know that means love. So this is not just the word lovely like um, people, you know, slow motion like through the flowers in May. This is towards love. Towards, phileo is friendship, towards friendship. Y'all are going to get this in a minute. To, with friendship. Think on things that are with friendship and towards friendship and with love. Let me watch. Look. If we think about the things that people do to us that are not friendly, how does that help us? If, if I rehearse in my mind, I, I'm telling you, this is this other church down the road. If you rehearse, you rehearse things in your mind that people did, people said, people didn't say. I don't know why this person said this, why he did that. I don't know. And you just over and over. And as Christians, we do this. And then you leave the church. And you say, Pastor, the Lord told me. I said to a guy one time, I'm new, so I can say all of this because I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody's situation. Right? Right? Because if, if I knew y'all and I knew stuff was going on, you could say, Thomas talked to so-and-so, and he's saying this from the pulpit. I don't know. <laughs> True story. 
brother called me after church. I'm leaving the church. I said, why? He said, because God spoke to me and told me I should leave. I said, do you want to be in the church? Not really. <laughs> well, then why would God have to tell you? <laughs> he could just leave. Like God doesn't say, Tom, y'all can tell, right? God don't say, Thomas, eat the cake, eat it, eat the cake. <laughs> he have to tell me not to eat. We're laughing, but follow the logic. God has to tell us the things we don't want to do. He has to tell me, stop thinking about what that person said. Stop thinking about what that person did. Stop thinking about... What's on your mind? Commendable. Good report. This is a tough one here. Man, I hit this in my preparations and I was convicted and I began to pray. This is the word euphemos. Euphemos. It is the word that we get. Euphemism. If you're familiar with the word euphemism, a euphemism is a mild or indirect word of expression substituted for one considered to be too harsh or blunt when referring to something unpleasant or embarrassing. And boy, do we have a culture of keeping it real. I keeps it real. I don't sugarcoat it. I just, I, I'm, I'm real. This is real. Me and my wife, we had a podcast called Real Talk. We was on there. We was like, we're going to light everybody on. We're going to get a flamethrower out and burn everybody up. Everybody was, this is great. This is great. Ooh, we love y'all. Ooh, we want to see y'all faces because it was black. <laughs> it was like a blank screen. And a friend of mine called me. He said, Thomas, I love the podcast. But be careful. Because there's a lot of people that will just get on a podcast and just talk about other people. I, I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying, be careful. I know you don't want to sit there for 45 minutes and just trash other ministries and other people. What's on your mind? Sometimes in our mind, we don't have euphemisms. Actually, it's a different word in this text, but the concept when you unpack it is the same. Ephesians 4.15 says, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And in context, Paul is talking about correction. Now, as a parent, sometimes I have to correct my children, and I would have to say, honestly, because my kids are in the back, and y'all would be able to ask them after the service, right? I have not always used a euphemism. At times, I may have been harsh, blunt. I may have embarrassed my child. What was on my mind? I'm going to keep it real with this 
child. And we do this sometimes, right? We do this in the church. We do it in relationships. Do people need truth? Yes. Do people need correction? Yes. But Paul says, the Bible says, the Lord says, it is appropriate to speak that truth with love. You're not going to get more out of the person by hitting them with it. You might get more by wrapping it in love. Amen. Arite, arite. So this is the word that means good, often translated excellent or moral excellence. So agathos is the word good, and sometimes you'll see that translated as good, but that's like, that was a good cup of coffee. That was a good meal. That was a good whatever, right? It's very kind of basic. But arite is like if you had... An athlete, for example, who dedicated himself and did all of these things and then competed and won. And he feels fulfilled. He's achieved excellence. Why is this important? Because what Paul is saying here is, I want you to think about virtue. Sometimes it's translated as virtue. Sometimes it's translated as moral excellence. This is where we look at Hebrews 11. Heroes of the faith, people who went out and lived their life for God and fulfilled their call. Look, hey, anybody sneak into this universe? Anybody here an accident, a mistake, a cosmic uh, coincidence, coinky-dink? There's not a single person here. I don't care how you got here. There's not a single person on this planet that got here by accident. And the last time I checked, the devil doesn't make people. So when God made you, he made you with a plan. He made you with an intent. He made you with a purpose. He had in his mind, like, this is what I'm going to do with this person. This is what I want them to be. This is, I remember I was a little kid. I went to private school. I know y'all looking at me, y'all like, he got on a suit. I lived in a suit for like 10 years as a baby, you know. And I remember I got up and I did like a speech. I was probably Timmy's age. Some of y'all know my son. He's like eight. And he does the same stuff. And somebody walked up to me. They was like, you're a public speaker. I said, no, I'm not. When I got saved... And I went to my mom. I said, Mommy, did it surprise you that I became a Christian? Did it surprise you that I'm a minister? Did it surprise? She said, no. Because from when the time you were little, I would watch you. And we wasn't saved. But you came home and said you wanted to be a pastor. <laughs> and we all laughed because we was like, he don't even go to church. How is he going to be a pastor? God had a plan. I was talking to my father the other day, and I said, Daddy, did it surprise you? He said, your great-great-grandfather was a preacher down south. And when we started seeing you doing stuff, we was like, how? He never even met this man. No one sneaks into the universe. And a ray taste is when you finally begin to do the things that God put you on this planet to do. 
moral excellence, virtue. What's on your mind is doing the next thing that God said to do. And the next thing that God said to do. And nobody knows but you, but you have it in here. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody in this room, I mean, this is not the end of the message, but somebody in this room has things in here, things in here. And God is saying to you, what's on your mind? Stop pushing that thing out of you. Do you know how long I ran and said, I don't want to be no pastor. I don't want to be a minister. I don't want to do that. And people would say, you should be a pastor. I, would, I was at a department store, and I would take the people outside, and I would be talking to them about God. And they would go, are you a pastor? No, I'm not no pastor. I am just trying to help you. And then one day I realized, I got to stop running. Remember, he is writing a letter to a church that he planted, and he's telling these believers, what's on your mind? Think about the things that God wants you to do. Praiseworthy. Epenos. Worthy of commendation. Enthusiastic acknowledgement. For what deserves praise. It is about the appropriate praise because the, the will of God is being done. It starts with God. It starts with God. When you get up in the morning, praise should be on your mind. You know what we have a habit of now? That phone. You just roll over and you just tick-tock yourself to death. Then the rest of the day, what's on your mind? Or you, or I know what some people, I watch the news because I want to know what's going on in the world. I was somewhere, I was just doing me. They was like, did you hear about what happened with the banks? I said, no. No. Well, 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 you better get your money out. I said, I don't have money in the bank. And then we sing songs about, I don't care about earthly wealth, but then, you know, you hear about a bank in California, you be like, ah. Was the failure of the bank worthy of recommendation? Why are you thinking about that? Is God going to take care of you or not? Are you going to fulfill God's will or not? Like, like if the whole financial system collapsed like it did. <laughs> like it did, like the, the, the worldwide game of Simon Says, when they said, everybody go in your house, Simon Says, and don't come out. Simon Says. People used to call me, there's no chicken. <laughs> it sounds funny. What's on your mind? What's on your mind? I would go to the store. There was... God was feeding us. God was taking care of us. I wasn't thinking about demise. I was thinking about glory. I say this not to boast. I got COVID. I almost died. I was in the hospital. They was like screaming and yelling and they was calling for the crash cart. And then they said, when you go under, 
Do you want us to revive you? No. I want to go. <laughs> Some people said that's not funny. I'm telling you, we need to be thinking about God praising God. We wake up and we're praising God. We're walking down the street and we're praising God. And then you're thinking about the things that God wants you to do for his glory. For his glory. Sometimes we come to church, and I used to say this to young people. It might not be euphemistic like I just said. I know I have this struggle. If I say something harsh or blunt, please let me know or pray for me. But you don't come to church with the napkin around your collar you take it off and you put it around your arm because you come to serve. And you're not serving. You know, Pastor Reggie had a meeting yesterday. You're not serving Pastor Reggie. When we get our reward, we won't get our reward from Pastor Reggie or deacons or, 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 or bishops or boards. We get our reward from the Lord. And this is what this is talking about. This is talking about when I do God's will and I stand before God and he says, well done. Well done. Okay. Last one. Now, this is not one of the things he wants you to do. This is what he wants you to do. Logizomai. What does it mean to think on these things? Because I'm sure at some point in the week... We do think about God. We do think about praising him. We do think about doing virtuous things. We, we think about these things here and there. It's true. But that's not what that word means. Properly translated, I like that word where it says usage. Suppose. Suppose we planted a church in the Poconos and it grew and we bought a school and somebody knows where I'm going I'm telling you when you think on these things you're inviting God into your life I, I know we've already given him our heart but have we given him our mind? Have we given him our dreams, our plans, our strength, our gifts, our time? When I was talking to the young people, I said, the problem with not thinking on these things and being anxious is that your mind is occupied. You know, when you go to a hotel, there's a particular time for check-in. Because if you try to get into the room that you've been assigned to early, there might be somebody still in there. Are y'all with me? Some of us need some of the thoughts that we have on our mind to check out. So that we can check those thoughts that God wants us to have in. You, you and me, we need to suppose a little bit. 
Suppose. You see? Suppose. That's not going to be a second. You're going to spend some time on those things that are obvious. Suppose God really did love me. Suppose when I looked in the mirror, I did not have a problem with the person looking back at me. Suppose instead of going to church and waiting for people to say hi to me, I just went and said hi to everybody else. Suppose things in my life weren't fixed, but I still praised him. So, right? What's on your mind? Worship team, would you come? What's on your mind? I'm going to say a couple of things, and then I'd like to, I'd like to pray. One of the problems that I think we encounter is we know certain things as Christians. Like, we know what we're supposed to do. The problem is, but how? Like, you might have really enjoyed the message, but then you leave and you think, okay, but how? Because I've been a Christian for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and I'm still wrestling in my mind. One of the great things about the mental issues that I've had over my life is I could not be helped. My wife sometimes leads worship, um, like for the prayer meeting, and one night she sang a song, and I was just like, oh, my God. Because it, it made so much sense. And one of the lines was, may your battles reveal, show that God, you see what I'm saying, will come into your situation and deliver you. And we sometimes are trying, this is the problem, to deliver ourselves. We're trying to figure out how to get out of the situation that we got into. And then sometimes we'll even say, well, I'm not going to pray because I, I put myself in this, so God is not going to really help me. That's not true. That is not true. You might have made a mess of your life as a Christian because everybody says B.C., B.C., before Christ. before Some of us made a mess last week. But he's a deliverer. He's a rescuer. He's a savior. Do you really know what that means? That means when, like, I can't swim. So, like, if I was in the water, I would need to be saved. I couldn't save myself. And somebody here, it could be just like one person, is wrestling in their mind with thoughts, with problems, with issues. And you pray, and yeah, you get the peace, but then after you get up off your knees, what's on your mind? God is a deliverer. And he's here to deliver you. He delivered me. I said he delivered me. He delivered me. Like Paul, 
Paul was speaking because he had lived these verses. That's where the power is. And if I had not had a problem in my mind, it would be hard for me to get up here and say, he'll deliver you. He'll deliver you. Y'all be all right. He'll deliver. No, no, no. I'm telling you, he will. Would you bow your head? In a moment like this, it could be embarrassing to acknowledge that you're wrestling with thoughts. Some of you can't sleep. You haven't had a full night's sleep in a long time. He wants to deliver you. You're not here by accident. And now I'm not just talking about this planet. I'm talking about right here, right now. You're not here by mistake. Could the leaders come forward, please? Now, listen, listen. I know. Keep your head bowed. Keep your head bowed. I know. It can be embarrassing to say, I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling. I'm in ministry, but I'm wrestling. I can't sleep. I think about my future. I think about my past. I think about my present. Listen, I'm not manufacturing anything. I know what it is to feel hopeless, and I'm a Christian. To feel helpless, and I'm a Christian. I don't know who to talk to. If I call my so-and-so, then they're going to know. If I call my such and such, then they're going to find out. They won't understand. They're going to chide me. They're going to correct. I don't know who to talk to. And then you pray and you say, but, but God doesn't really do anything. I keep praying, but nothing changes. He's here. And it starts with the mind. The mind. It's a battlefield. But if God gives you the victory there, you will have it everywhere. You will have it everywhere. Some of you, these thoughts are thoughts of insecurity. You don't know why you don't feel comfortable in your own skin. He wants to deliver you. He wants to deliver you. The worship team is going to sing. And as they sing, just come up. Don't think about it. What's on your mind? Us? Ain't nobody going to be with you when you stand before God. It's just going to be you and him. And you want to have given everything to him while you were here. It doesn't matter who sees you come forward. No one's going to ask you except the person who's praying for you while you're here. And when we're done, we're going to praise him. And you're going to leave. And when you hit the parking lot and those thoughts come back, remember, think on these things, not those things.